Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Whatever time you may be viewing or listening to this, welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 131. And today we'll pick it up in Isaiah chapter 36 as we move forward in our encounter with the Lord's Word. In chapter 36, 37, 38, uh, and 39, um, it's kind of a repeat. Uh, Isaiah is, uh, is, is, is recounting or repeating what has already been stated in um, 2 Kings chapter 18, 19, and 20. And so I go over that in detail. I believe it is in episode uh, 73, I think it is. And so you can go back there and uh, go through the details of what's happening here. Just to recount, uh, Sennacherib, who is the king of Assyria, is invading uh, Judah, and he has captured a number of uh, Judean cities, uh, but now he's up against uh, Jerusalem, and he has sent, he's fighting somewhere else, and he has sent one of his spokesmen uh, to speak to uh, Hezekiah, who was the king at the time, and uh, so you've got the king and all the people around the city wall trying to protect themselves as the Assyrians are trying to lay siege works against them, and the king's spoke, uh, spokesman is 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 screaming to, talking to Isaiah, calling him out, uh, telling him, you know, why are you trying to stop us? All other kings have tried to stop us, and nobody has been able to stop us. And uh, and so, <clears throat> and so uh, Hezekiah gets despondent, and he goes, and he seeks uh, the counsel of Isaiah. And he talks to Isaiah, says, what are we going to do with these people? They're about to take us over, and, and, and this, that, and the other. And so I, Isaiah goes before the Lord, and then... Um, uh, but during this time period, what happens is uh, Sennacherib's spoke, uh, sp- spokesperson finds out that uh, Sennacherib himself is in a war against uh, another territory. And so they leave that territory to go assist. And then while they're away, they send a letter uh, to Hezekiah, basically telling them to give up. You know, why are you trying to fight us? This and other. Uh, but Isaiah goes before the Lord, and, and then uh, the Lord tells Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, do not be afraid. Everything's going to be taken care of. And so then <clears throat> they come back, and they threaten uh, Jerusalem, but then the Lord wipes them out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> The Lord wipes out the Assyrian army, and then he ends up actually uh, killing Sennacherib. And I believe it was his his sons that actually killed him, I think. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, but that's what happened. And so the Lord turned away the invasion of Judah by Assyria. Then it goes on to state that uh, Hezekiah had an illness and he pleaded before the Lord and the Lord gave him 15 more years of life, you know, and so that was, uh, that was great. And he recovered from that. But Hezekiah was kind of interesting because he was, I guess we put him in the category of a good king, but um, uh, he uh, entertained visitors from Babylon, you know, so this was before the Babylonian uh, invasion, obviously. So he entertained visitors from Babylon. He showed them everything that was in the kingdom of Judah. And he took them throughout the temple in Jerusalem. He showed them everything. And uh, Isaiah asked him, what have you done? And so Hezekiah told him that, you know, I showed him everything. Isaiah basically said, you're an idiot. You know, why did you do this? And so then, um, and, and, and because of this, he, uh, certain things were going to happen to uh, uh, Jerusalem and Judah, but they would not happen until uh, Hezekiah had died. And because of this, Hezekiah said to himself, well, hey, I won't see it. You know, Judah won't be wiped out on my watch, so I'm good with it. You know, So he didn't really care about what happened to the future. He just cared about what happened during his lifetime. So anyway, 
That's what happens in those four chapters. And again, I believe it's episode 73. You can go back and recount what happened during that time period. So let's pick it up in chapter 40. So we see in chapter 40, um, the, um, it takes, uh, uh, the word here takes a dramatic shift. Uh, you know, Isaiah is shifting dramatically here. Now he is going to start to prophesy and declare at least 100, 170 years out from that time. From that time period, he's going to go at least 100 and so years out. And um, so he switches from recounting what happened uh, during this time with Hezekiah to prophesying almost 200 years out. And so we see the section title said, God's People Comforted. Remember, this is out in the future. This is after the Babylonian uh, invasion and exile of the people uh, from Judah uh, to Babylon. And so it says in verse 1, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Again, this is Isaiah prophesying to the people. He says, Comfort, comfort, um, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of hard service is over. Okay, so the time of hard service is the time that they have, you know, they, um, again, this invasion takes place about 100 years out, and then there's about 70 years worth of exiled servitude. And so what, what's basically being said is that comfort, comfort to Jerusalem because her time of hard service is over, her time after her 70-year exile. Her uh, iniquity has been pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so the Lord is saying, okay, now that this is over, but you need to know that, you know, you were, you were punished doubly because of your sins, because of all your sins and all your iniquity. It says in verse three, a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Now this is, has dual purposes, right? And so it says, remember, they're, they're uh, in exile about to return to Jerusalem or being prepared to return to Jerusalem. And the word says, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness, make a straight highway for our God in the desert. And so in other words, he's going to clear a path for them to return to Jerusalem. But John the Baptist also stated this when Jesus was about to make his entrance onto the scene and announce who he was. See, so so again, Isaiah is 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 prophesying, you know, what will happen when the people return from Babylon, but also what will happen when Jesus makes his entrance into the scene. Verse four, it says, "Every valley will be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be leveled, and uneven ground will become smooth, and though places." Oh, and rough places, a plain. In other words, uneven ground, bumpy ground will now be smooth, okay? And then if, if we have some rough, uh, rough patches, it'll be a plain. It'll also be smooth. In verse 5, and the glory of the Lord will appear, and all humanity together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So again, this is Isaiah prophesying future events, what will happen when the Israelites, uh, when, when those from Judah return back, or excuse me, those, yeah, those from Judah who are exiled in Babylon will return to Judah, and when Jesus will make his entrance uh, as he is pronounced from John the Baptist. So let's see, let's go on, let's drop down to verse 21. It says, I love the phraseology here, it says, do you not know? Have you not heard? <laughs> Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? Verse 22, God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. God is enthroned above the globe. He's in the heavens. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, talking about the inhabitants of earth. He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Verse 23, he reduces princes to nothing and makes judges the earth and makes judges of the earth like a wasteland. Our structures and whatnot here on earth are nothing to him. <laughs> They're nothing. Verse 24, they are barely planted, barely sown. Um, their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither. And the whirlwind carries them away like stubble. See, and so it says, you know, at his will, he can make our structures and all that a wasteland. <laughs> he doesn't have to adhere to our rules. Verse 25, to, um, to whom... To whom will you compare me? See, the Lord is saying, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up and see who created these. He brings out the stars by numbers. And so he's telling his people, look up and see, look at the stars. He says he brings them out by number. He calls all of them by name. We, we have a... a a movement now where you can name a star, where you can pay somebody, some organization, some money, and, uh, and, and that star will be yours and it can carry your name. <laughs> you know, how does man own a star such that he can sell the naming rights? But anyway, it says uh, he brings out the stars by number. He calls, them, he calls them all by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. Not one star is missing because of God's great power and his strength. In verse 28, here we go again. It says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. See, there is limit to our understanding. We can only understand so much, right? Because if we knew everything, then we'd be able to solve everything in an instant, but we don't know everything. And so we have to research, we have to study, we have to develop, we have to go through trial and error. We don't know everything. We will never know everything. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Youth may become faint and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. This is a very familiar scripture to a lot of us because we turn to it sometimes when we're feeling fatigued. You know, we're in this COVID time, and I don't know about you, but I and a lot of people I know are in this COVID fatigue. We're just tired of it. But it says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. So if we're tired, we'll, re we'll regain our, our, our vim and vigor. We will not be tired in it. We'll, we'll renew our strength. You know, we will uh, soar on, ring on wings like an eagle. We will run and not become weary. We will not be tired. We'll not become fatigued. You know, be most of our fatigue is mental fatigue. It's not physical fatigue. It's mental fatigue. We're just tired of it. But we turn our eyes to the Lord. So we renew our strength. 
so that we don't become weary in, in, in well-doing. We don't become, become fatigued with doing good and doing right because we will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Let's go on to verse, or excuse me, chapter 41. In chapter 41, uh, the section heading says, The Lord versus the nation's gods. The God versus the gods of the nations. In verse 2, it says, Who has stirred up someone from the east in righteousness he calls him to serve? Now, who is him? This is re referring to uh, King Cyrus II of Persia. And so the Lord is enlisting him to execute his will. And one of the important things to recognize about this is that the Lord is calling somebody in the service who is not one of his cho uh, chosen children. He's, he's not a Jew. He's not an Israelite. So the Lord is going to use somebody who's not an Israelite in order to bring about his will. Now, this is just me surmising. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud and whatnot. So the, the Israelites, the Jews, God called them for a purpose. But that doesn't mean that non-Jews are not his children. Because if we go through the word, all the people of the earth are descendants of Noah. See, after the flood came and then wiped everybody out except for those on, on the ark, and then they repopulated the earth, everybody is related because we're all descendants of Noah. And so we are all children of God. He just called out a particular clan in order to execute his will on the earth. And they kept failing and failing and failing and failing at it. But he never abandoned them, and he never abandons uh, those of us who aren't Jews. And so he's calling on Cyrus in order to bring about his will because he's got to correct you know, some of the things that have been going on, some of the things that he has allowed to go on in order to bring about his purpose. And so it says, in righteousness, he calls him to serve. The Lord hands nations over to him, and he subdues kings. So again, this is King Cyrus. He's going to come from the east and the north to sweep down. He's going to wipe out Babylon, and he's going to just do a lot of things that the Lord wants, to, uh, wants him to do. It says, he makes them like dust uh, with his sword, like wind-driven stubble with his bow. So this is talking about the Persians coming in and wiping out uh, the powers of that day at that time. And so they're going to be the new powers, the, the new kids on the block, if you will. <clears throat> so let's drop down to chapter 11. And it says, be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed. Um, yeah, be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. So uh, it's being prophesied to the Jews that be sure that everybody who has put you under their thumb, they will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. I believe this is mainly speaking about the Babylonians because they're the ones that have the Jews in exile. <clears throat> in verse 12, he says, You will look for those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you will become suddenly nothing. See, so this is a, an encouraging word, an encouraging prophecy that's going out to the people, even though their exile hasn't taken place yet. Right? At that time, those people who are in exile will be able to look to this prophecy and know that their time is short as far as being under the thumb of the Babylonians. In verse four, uh, 13, it says, For I am the Lord your God who holds uh, your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. 
he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he has held the hands of the people back then, he can hold our hands today, and he can tell us, and he is telling us, do not fear, I will help you. But it's all on us, you know, and it's on us with regard to whether we turn to him or not, with, with regard to whether we trust him or not, with regard to whether we sincerely approach him or not. But he's available. And so, let's see, uh, yeah, let's continue on. Let's drop down to verse 21. It says, um, submit your case, says the Lord. Present your arguments, says Jacob's king. Let them come and tell us what will happen. Tell us uh, the past events so that we may reflect on them and know the outcome. Tell us the future. Tell us the coming events, then we will know that you are God's. Indeed, do something good or bad. Then we will believe, uh, then we will be in awe and we will see it. In other words, what's being said here is that the Lord is saying, submit your case. He's talking to the, the nations that, that, that serve other gods. See, the, nation, the nations that have other idols. He's saying, submit your case. Please present your arguments. <laughs> He says, let them come and tell us what will happen. Tell us the past events. In other words, let your gods come and tell us what will happen. You know, what happened in the past so that we may reflect on them and know the outcome of the future. And so uh, the Lord is saying, look, if you are serving true gods, then they should know what the future is going to hold. They should know what the future is going to be. What is it? Tell us. Verse 23, it says, tell us the coming events. Then we will know that you are gods. In other words, the Lord is saying, prove it to me. Show me. Indeed, do something, <laughs> good or bad, just do something. Then we will be in awe and we will see it. In verse 24, it says, look, you are nothing and your work is worthless. Anyone who chooses you is detestable. Anyone who chooses idols over God is detestable. You know, anybody who chooses other things to worship is detestable because they're placing that above the Lord God Almighty. Where it says, is detestable. Verse 25, it says, I have stirred up one from the north and he has come. This is again referring to Cyrus, a king of Persia. One from the east who invokes my name, he will march over rulers as if they were mud like a potter who treads the clay. See, the Lord has empowered Cyrus. Again, Cyrus is not an Israelite. He's not a Jew. But the Lord has empowered him. And the word is saying that um, one from the east who invokes my name. See, it's saying that Cyrus calls on the name of the Lord. And it says, verse 26, who told you this from the beginning? So the Lord is saying, who is telling you this before it has happened? See, I challenged the other nations with their, with their gods. Now I'm telling you what's going to happen. Now I'm going to do what I challenged them to do, but they could not do. See, who told you about this from the beginning so that we might know and from times past so that we might say he is right? So he's speaking to us now. I told you about this before it was going to happen, and it happened. Now acknowledge that I am right. No one announced it. No one told it. No one heard your words. And so the Lord is saying, look, I'm telling you what the deal is. The issue is whether you believe me or not. The issue is whether you're going to acknowledge it or not. But I am foretelling things that are going to happen in the future. 
And everything that I have foretold has happened. And so the challenge is going forth. Let's go on to verse 42. How do you respond to that challenge? How do you respond to the prophecies of the Lord that have taken place? And then we have prophecies that have yet to take place. So those ones that have yet to take place, where do you stand on them? Do you believe them? Do you not believe them? Because if you don't believe them, that means that you're putting something else above that. And the Lord says that you are detestable if you do that. Just a thought, man. Chapter 42 says, uh, the servant's mission. And it says, this is my servant, strengthen him. This is my chosen one, I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. So we have this right here. This is speaking about, this is in reference to Christ, I believe, but it also is talking to us. See, this is my servant. Strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. You know, do you bring justice to your neighborhood? Do you, do you bring justice to those that are, are under your influence? Verse 2. He will not cry out or shout or make his voice heard in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed. He will not put out a smoldering wick. He will faithfully bring justice. He will not grow weak or be discouraged until he has established justice on the earth. The coasts and islands, in other words, everywhere, the coasts and islands will wait for his instruction. Verse 5, this is what the Lord, this is what God, the Lord says, who created the heavens and stressed them out, who uh, spread out the earth and what comes from it, uh, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. This is important. Verse 6, it says, I am the Lord. I have called you for a righteous purpose. I will hold you by your hand. I will watch over you. I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the nations. Verse 7, in order to open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. See, the Lord has anointed us. The Lord has empowered us to do this. He's empowered us <clears throat> for a righteous purpose. And he's going to hold our hand through this empowerment. He says he will watch over us. He says he has appointed us, see, appointed us uh, to be a covenant for the people and a light to the people around us. We should be a conduit for Christ, for those who don't believe. We should be a light to them. It says in verse 7 again, I'm going to repeat, in order that we open the blind eyes so that people who deny Christ, that deny things, uh, through our interaction, through our relationship, their eyes are open so that we can bring them, so that we can uh, break them out of jail. They can escape from jail see? And, and from the sentences of jail. And for those sitting in darkness, you know, because they're dark now, but we, we are resp not responsible, but we should be a conduit to open their eyes, to have their eyes open so that they are no longer in prison. In verse 10, the section title says, A Song of Praise. It says, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing his praise from the ends of the earth. Uh, you who go down to the sea with all that fills it, uh, you coast and islands and your inhabitants. And so we're singing a new song. You know, in other words, a song that hasn't been sung before. <clears throat> Let's go down to verse 16. It says, I will lead the blind by the way they did not know. I will guide them on paths they have not known. 
I will turn darkness to light in front of them and rough places into level ground. We've heard that before. This is what I will do for them. I will not abandon them. They will turn back and utter, they will be turned back and utterly ashamed, those who trust in idols. And say to a cast in image, you are not gods. And so the Lord is saying that um, <clears throat> he will lead us out. He will be our eyes. We will not have to be blind anymore. He will guide our paths. Our darkness will be turned into light. Rough places will be leveled out. And we will turn back and we will no longer be utterly ashamed because we will realize that our idols are worthless. And we will finally come to the conclusion that they are not gods. Hallelujah. With that, we're going to pick it up in chapter 43 tomorrow. And uh, as we continue to make our way through the book of Isaiah, everybody have a wonderful and blessed day. Take care. Bye-bye.